Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Jonah and Ben Play Board Games with Friends. I am Jonah, joined as always by my box-loving co-host, Ben. Hello, I'm confused now. And we are also joined by a good friend of ours, Jordan from Canada. Welcome back, Jordan from Canada. Hey guys, thanks for having me back. Welcome, welcome. Uh, so Ben, wait, why wait, wait, am wait, I wait, saying you're a box-loving person? I, I mean, I feel like I know, but it was just such a weird intro that I'm now, like, flabbergasted a little bit. Is it because a gigantic box appeared at... Zig when you're well, why don't, zag. Why don't you tell everyone since they it all came to you? That's right. Uh, our anachrony expansion arrived from Kickstarter today, the Infinity Box, uh, named that because if you multiply the length by the width by the height of the box you get infinity uh this box is bigger than a gloomhaven box and for the non-board gamers who don't have a gloomhaven box as a standard unit of size in their brain uh i would say this is taller than a microwave would you agree i would say that this yeah i would say this whole box is bigger than a microwave like as a whole i would say it's bigger than a microwave and how overjoyed were you to see that it had arrived ben um so just to give some perspective i was actually i actually texted my girlfriend last night saying i'm disappointed we're playing a board game at 1 p.m knowing that this game is going to get delivered to jonah tomorrow (laughs) and that means i won't get to go pick it up when it arrives and then it arrived an hour and a half an hour and a half before we started our 1 p.m board game and uh I was like, I literally texted you and said, I don't know if I can make the round trip to pick up the game in time to get back. And then like 10 seconds later, I'm like, F it, I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, 40 minutes round trip, on my way. <laughs> yep, so I, I drove over to you, I picked up my box, and I came back with about 15 minutes to spare. And it's now sitting on the couch. And to give reference, more size reference... My brother walks down the stairs, and he sees all of the games I own, so he knows that boxes are large. Uh, he walks and down the thing. stairs and sees it sitting... <laughs> yeah. Um, he, wa- <laughs> he walks down and sees it on the couch and says, what the hell is that box? And if you had a nickel for so, every time you heard yeah. that question, you'd uh, have a lot more board games than you I mean, do now. I mean, to be completely honest with you, with the amount of deliveries that come to my house, I probably would have a lot of money from someone saying, what is that box? So, I guess that's why you introduced me that way. Did yeah. you Did you have to get a new shelf to, like, put this thing on? Uh, I'm still working on... Yeah. And as for me, I uh, I have the original Anachrony box, and I have... What I have now is I have um, the Ikea Kallax shelves, which are 13-inch cubes. So it's 13 inches by 13 inches, and I think it's 15 inches deep. I don't think it's a full cube, um, but it might be. And I had... It's an extra full cube if it's longer in one dimension. Well, it's a a rectangular prism, but if we want to get real technical. Um, (laughs) But uh, I have an Ikea speaker that fits perfectly in the cube because it's designed to 
and then I had the base Anachrony box and Shia, and that was in one queue. And my whole plan this whole time was, ooh, this box is going to be just about double the thickness of the Anachrony box, meaning it will fit perfectly right next to that speaker. Uh, and Joan, I was actually waiting to tell you this because I almost, I almost died when I did this. Uh, the box comes shrink-wrapped, obviously, um, and I'm going up to the top shelf of my six-level-high Kallax, so it's over my head to reach where this is. And I'm trying to, like, fit it in. And first off, it's, like, two millimeters too thick to fit with that speaker. So I need to find another cube to put it in and rearrange things. But as I go up, uh, one of the corners of shrink wrap tears under my thumb. And I literally bobbled the infinity box and almost dropped it from, like, six and a half feet tall onto the ground. Oh, and I... I was screaming, and I was like, no, 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 oh, I got it, and then my brother yells from upstairs, what just happened? And I'm like, well, I almost <laughs> dropped my very large, very expensive new board game, <laughs> um, and I was, like, terrified, but I caught it, but yes, Jordan, to answer your question, uh, I don't need to buy a new shelf, but my parents are coming up this coming weekend next week uh from florida and i'm sending a good number of board games back with them to give myself more room in this shelf so i don't need a new shelf but i need more space on the shelf yeah. it's a very roundabout way of telling you i almost died of sadness and need more space and leveled up your dexterity at the same time it sounds like oh my god i was terrified i like the adrenaline was pumping it's a very active hobby. But uh, anyway, enough about us. Jordan, what have you been up to? How is your new year going so far? Day three. Uh, so far, so good. Wrote all of my goals out, which is a, a process I've been undertaking for the second year now. So I uh, <laughs> can't say the first year was off to a good start because... Uh, a lot of things were closed, so certain goals were not met. But looking at 2021, things are things are on track, and um, yeah, I had a good holiday season. Was able to see my close family, which was nice, and played some board games, which was which was a good time. How about you guys? Uh, yeah, what's going on over here? Um... I watched Wonder Woman 1984, and I think we talked about that last week. I watched Soul the other night with Jessica, the uh, Jamie Foxx-starred Pixar movie about a barber and some other stuff that I'm not going to go into, because I went into it knowing nothing, and that is the best way to go into a movie. Time out. He's not a barber. He's a music teacher. Ben... You're supposed to surprise the listeners when they go and watch Spoilies. the movie. Yeah, really. I just thought you, you were just an idiot. ruined it for people. No, I mean that'll <laughs> it, that'll become apparent later on. That's the first scene in the movie. He's a music teacher. I was like, you said Barbara. I'm like, did you even watch the same movie as me? Whatever. Go back to your weird janky review. Next thing you're going to tell me that Bruce Willis was a ghost or something. Major plot points here, Ben. Anyway, watched the movie. It was good. Whoops. Cooked some good food last night. That was good. But uh, yeah, not a lot going on over here. Kind of laying low and then going to work, just like 
a lot of other people, I guess. Uh, I also want to mention, too, that uh, we became friends finally on uh, PlayStation Network on the new our new PS5s. So, That's uh, right. Ben, you better get on that. But um, whoa, 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 whoa! Where's my friend request? <laughs> oh, okay. It's gotta happen, I guess. I, I'm just getting left out of everything. <laughs> Unbelievable today. This is like the put Ben down day. Unbelievable. But earlier we were saying you raised me up. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's fair. And uh, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully, looking to get some new content for the stream off uh, off the new PlayStation, which will be good. Oh yeah, what are you going to stream off of that? What do you have planned, I guess? Uh, probably some single player games that I actually didn't get a chance to during the PlayStation 4 life cycle, but uh, until until some, some content comes out, because Hogwarts Legacy, oh baby. Oh yeah, when does that come out? Just says 2021 right now, but... Yeah, we'll see. I don't yeah. believe that at all. <laughs> I can't wait for that game, though. Oh, my God. What is that game about besides Harry Potter? What type of game it's a is role-playing it? Game. Are you catching it's... wizard Pokemon? Are you battling wizard <laughs> demons? What are you doing in it? Uh, well, the second one's probably true. It's a wizarding world set role-playing game so you're like a student going through hogwarts and doing things without yeah without the uh forced storyline of the harry potter saga like you can kind of divorce from that whole timeline i guess or just time era you can be the clueless other student in the background of all the movies yeah living basically their own yes. life. <laughs> cool well that should be good uh jordan you mentioned yeah, that you played some board games over the holidays why don't you tell us about some of those for sure uh so my wife and i have kind of been on a certain type of game kick recently and maybe you fine gentlemen can can give me the proper term for what these games are but basically, when there are no turn order, and everyone plays at the same time. Simultaneous action. There you go. Thank you. So, we had played Dutch Blitz. Mm-hmm. I guess this is more of a card game than, than board game, obviously. But Dutch Blitz and a brand new one that I got for the holidays, which is called Space Team. Uh, that one's a co-op one. Interesting, interestingly enough. And Go on. Why don't you tell us about both of these games, Jordan? Sure, sure. Uh, so Dutch, Dutch Blitz is, is competitive. Uh, plays, plays four with the base deck, but we upgraded to the expansion so we could play up to eight. Um, oh. Yeah, so the way it works is kind of a competitive, simultaneous solitaire almost, where you have a blitz pile, so a pack of 10 cards, and then you have a wood pile in front of you, which is four across. And you can only play with one hand, so one hand has to hold your remaining deck, and the other hand you can play with. You play cards, everyone plays cards into the middle of the table, 
so there isn't a set play area. Uh, I can play a card on the right side of the table, I can play a card on the left side of the table, wherever. And in the middle, the cards uh, go from one to 10 with the corresponding color. So there's four colors, red, yellow, orange, sorry, orange, yellow, blue, and green. Um, and basically the first player to complete their blitz pile yells blitz and scores are tallied based on how many cards you played in the middle minus how many cards are left in your blitz pile. Interesting. Go on. <laughs> uh, the other one, which is Space Team, which I, we got brand new. Uh, I pulled a Ben where I saw the aesthetic of this game and I was like, I don't know anything about it. I'm just going to buy this game. I want this game. I, I love that we're now at a point where we can pull a Ben. <laughs> it feels great. Just that's all I wanted to say. Go on. As it's a Jordan good thing say. to be referred to as as well. It's not the worst thing for this to be pulling a Ben. Yeah, it, it actually worked out extremely well. I, I really like this game. Um, it is a cooperative simultaneous action game, uh, also with cards. And, um, so each player has tools, and these are like made-up space tools. They sound really cool, like a mezzo spindler and <laughs> a bicubic ion blaster and things like that. Um, to fit yeah, the give theme. us another one. Give us another one. <laughs> a triptronic, supersonic cord. Wham doozler. Um, there you go. And uh, in front of you, you have a deck of cards, your pile, that you have to get through as fast as possible with your space team. In your pile are ship malfunctions, which will say you need to fix this with these crazy named tools, or the number of icons. So each tool corresponds to a certain icon. There's four icons, so you could say like two stars and a circle. Um, mm -hmm. And once you've solved it, it's discarded, you pick your tools back up and you continue to play. Also in your deck are called anomalies where something bonkers happens to your space team. My favorite one is you figure out you're a robot all of a sudden and you can't play with your thumbs. So you're trying to pick up your cards with just, just your fingers minus your thumbs. Uh, so it gets pretty wonky. Sometimes you're like switching seats. Uh, you're like yelling people's names that are like trapped in an airlock. Uh, it's really, really fun. It's very frantic. The medium difficulty is completing the game in five minutes. So the game plays extremely quickly. You can play it back to back to back. Uh, it's super easy to teach and kind of jump in. It was a perfect game for less experienced uh, board gamers such as my family. So that's why I thought it would fit the bill quite quite nicely. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Sounds like a great holiday game. And sounds, yeah, just sounds like a lot of fun. Ben, what have you played lately? Uh, I'm still on my trick shot kick, to be honest. I've played so much trick shot in the last week with my brother. It's nuts. Uh, we pretty much just 
he, he's like, you want to get beat? I'm like, and I know exactly what he's talking about. Um, and yeah, he talks a lot of smack. Uh, right now, <clears throat> we're like tied on our record, but he uh, he beat me pretty quick yesterday. Um, we just played one period yesterday, and he he scored quite quickly, which was a surprise to me because we found our first game. We found it so difficult to like maneuver and pass and we're like finding out better ways to maneuver and pass the puck now and he just like ping-ponged his way up the ice and score and like i couldn't i had too many dice to attempt to take the puck away without getting a penalty but i had to get the puck away otherwise he was guaranteed a goal pretty much so i tried to poke check him and i ended up tripping his guy and that causes a penalty but what's interesting about penalties and trick shot is unlike actual hockey, and this is one part where it deviates. I know we talked last week about how well it sticks to hockey. Um, There aren't many, like, extraneous face-offs in the game, so, like, you don't reset the board state unless there's a goal. So even though I tripped his player and got a penalty, whereas in normal, actual, real-life hockey, there would be a face-off, there was no face-off, so he was still in the same position right in front of net, with the puck starting his turn. So he was able to score. Um, now I'm potentially thinking we could house rule in extra face-offs because I think it would make sense to put face-offs in for things like that. And I'll see what he thinks on the next game we play. But uh, yeah, we, we played a lot of that. And then just yesterday um, I had an Amazon $5 bonus credit and the Fox in the forest, a two player trick taking game went on sale for $9 or something, so I ended up getting the game for, like, $4.50. So I was like, this is a no-brainer. So I tried playing around with uh, my brother yesterday. Uh, He beat me. Jonah, you called in the middle of that, so you were looking at our hands toward the end of the game. Uh, We did play wrong because I was... Yeah, I was mildly confused how the Decree card, which is the Trump suit, functioned in this game. Um... But I figured it out by watching it how to play afterwards, and I'll fix it for next time. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's really all I've played lately is Trick Shot and uh, one game of The Fox in the Forest. But I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be playing some Anachrony soon, whether online oh, yeah? or in person. Two player? Three player? Uh, two player, solo, whatever. I just, I know that I'm going to be playing the sorting game. And it's going to take me two plus hours, so I think I'm going to have to re-sleeve all of the cards. To be honest, I I think because I think I when I bought the game it was sleeved, but I think it was Fantasy Flight sleeves, and Fantasy Flight sleeves are no longer sold. And the Game Genic sleeves, which are the new ones that have replaced them, are not the exact same size. So I think I'm going to have to pull everything out and re-sleeve, which is fine. I like sleeving, but uh, that should add some time. Mm-hmm. So, What about you? What have you played? Um, so I had a great week of games, which I wasn't anticipating because, I don't know, I didn't think the stars would align, but they did. Uh, anyway, I played a game of Tichu with Jessica, Patrick, and Nick, and we did this kind of hot seat on tabletop simulator me and Jessica so I would take my turn and then I would blindfold myself on so in tabletop simulator for those who don't know you can hit the B key on your keyboard and it puts up a blindfold on your screen so you can't see stuff 
Anyway, I would play, I would blindfold myself, I would look away from the screen, Nick would change my seat to the other seat, which is where Jessica was playing. Anyway, it was a very convoluted, uh, almost annoying way to play Teach You, but we made it work, and it was fun, and any time I can play Teach You with my wife, I am going to take that opportunity, so that was fun. And Ben was kind enough to back out of a game he didn't want to play to let someone who did want to play play the game. So thank you for your sacrifice, Ben. I know you are telling me to mention that now. Nope, that's not what I was going to tell you to mention. I was going to ask what was special about this game of Teach You, but that was also that's part right. of it. So. Uh, this game of Teach You completed my 10x10 10 10 for 2020. So a 10x10 10 10 is where you play 10 board games 10 times each. And I tried one the year before, and it wasn't successful. And then I was successful in 2020, because when the world shuts down, and you somehow end up playing more board games because of the online gaming sphere, it works out. So yeah, uh, I completed a 10x10, 10 10, which was fun. It was a mix of long games and short games, and I probably won't be doing an intentional 10x10 10 10 in the future, but I'm glad that it worked out. Um, yeah, I don't think for this year I'm going to do a 10x10, 10 10, but I'd like to try it in like a normal year uh, when everything right. kind of gets back. I'd like to try it again, but I always seem to pick a, like one game that's an absolute nightmare to play 10 times, so it's cool that you got to finish the whole thing. Yeah, I I did change one of the games halfway through because we were playing Pandemic Legacy Season 0, and I said, oh, this is a guaranteed 10 plays, so let me swap out something that's at like 6 or 7 for, for this. So I did that. It's not cheating because it's for fun anyway, so whatever. Uh, the second game I played was Tigris and Euphrates, a game that came out in 1997 by... Dr. Reiner Knizia, and uh, Dr. Reiner Knizia is a board game designer who has designed over 600 board games, which is obscene. I don't think I could design one, maybe one. Uh, a lot of his games are re-implementations of his other games, which to me cuts his number in half. But even only designing 300 board games is still a feat. So anyway, Tigris and Euphrates is this strange game that's almost an abstract game where you are putting down tiles and you have leaders and the leaders are different colors. And I think it's a cool game that I would play. There are some things I don't like. All I'm going to mention about the game because it has this really interesting mechanic in it that I don't think any other board game has except for Yellow and Yangtze, his re-implementation of Tigris and Euphrates. Um, you are trying to amass cubes of different colors in this game. There are four different colors. And at the end of the game, your score is the number of cubes that you have the fewest of. So if I have four blue, five red, six yellow, and seven black, my score would be four, because my fewest cube number is four. So you're trying to get all of these types of cubes 
but if you have 25 green cubes, what, who, it doesn't matter what the colors are. If you have 25 of one cube and two of the other, your score is two. And it's not that impressive that you got 25 of that other cube. So that is a pretty neat part of the game. Uh, other parts I could take or leave. Ben, you and I played Yellow and Yangtze, right? Yeah, and I actually put Yellow and Yangtze on my OK Games list when we did our OK Games podcast. But I did note specifically that that mechanic was something that I thought was neat. I just, the rest of the game was somewhat forgettable for me. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and then the last game that I played this week is the game that the three of us just played right now before this, and it is also our game of the week. This week's game of the week. Our game of the week this week is Electropolis. Electropolis is a Taiwanese board game that came out in 2019, I believe. Maybe 2020, because we played it December 2019. So, depends on the continent. We can tell you where and when it came out. Um, Electropolis is a neat little game that plays between two and four players. And in Electropolis, you are trying to build a city. So each player has a little 5x5 grid, with the center grid being your city center, and starting out as full. And you are getting tiles to grow your city. And the tiles that you are going to be getting will be public buildings, they will be power plants, they will be uh, nuclear power plants. It's about making power, pretty much. Um, The game takes an hour, which is something I really like about it. So, Jordan, this was your first time playing this, and teach and play was, I think, an hour and a half, right? Yeah, definitely. It was pretty succinct. Yeah. So, we have talked in the past about how Bus is a great, crunchy game that takes an hour and a half to play. This is one level below Bus in crunch, in thinkability and also in time. So I think this occupies a really great sphere of the board game hobby. A lot of the thinky games tend to be two plus hours. It's great to have one with meaningful decisions in one hour. Uh, I would recommend playing this at four. I've played it at two and three, but four is the best. And there are a few interesting things that happen in this game. So Ben, why don't you start us off What do you think is interesting in this game? Sure. I was taking some notes while we were playing. And I think the big one is probably the one that you hit on, which is the decision space in the game that I think is really interesting. Um, It's like this fine balance of where do you place the tiles that you pick, what tiles do you pick, but also how does that set you up for the next turn? Um, and I think putting all of that together and like linking all of that in one piece um, was a really smart move that doesn't overburden the player like on the on the level of like how hard they need to think about it, but it does give enough of a decision to make you stop and think, but it's not like it's gonna kill you to think about it right. Yeah, and Jordan, this was your first game, like I've already mentioned. So what did you think about how hard it was to get into? And, you know, after the after learning it and then playing it, you know, 
did it take you a long time to understand what was happening or did you feel like you were able to get right into it? Well, I had a great teacher, first of all. Uh, so thank you, Jonah. But uh, oh, the You're too kind. <laughs> I like what Ben just mentioned on the fact of not overburdening the player. As someone that had never seen this game before and playing it for the first time, I felt the rules were quite self-explanatory. The tiles are, are very clearly laid out. And although there is some fun decision-making processes to, to be had, I never, I never felt like I wasn't, like that my choices were never going to be competitive against the other players. Like I, I felt like whatever decision I made was going to help me. I never felt like I wasted a turn. Um, <laughs> Except for that one time you got <laughs> stuck with all those tiles. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I think that's where the complexity of the game honestly finds a strikes a really good balance. Is now that I know certain things, um, I can play for a, maybe a longer term strategy. But the turn to turn decision making, I find, is perfect a perfect balance of time versus energy. Uh, no mm -hmm. pun intended. Oh, good. Well done. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about the turn order? Do you feel up for it? The grabbing tiles order and the turn order? Sure, because I think I talked about it like four times during the game. <laughs> Pulling my <laughs> hair out. <laughs> yeah, so this is something that I think I'm discovering just in myself as a board game player is I struggle the most with evaluating turn order so in this game in, in electropolis the way it works is you choose which or sorry you choose how many tiles you would like to 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 select for that turn but the more that you want to select the the further back in turn order you will you will go so if you want to select only two tiles you're going to go first but if you want to select up to six you're definitely going last. So I definitely struggle with trying to figure out that that balance of how many do I need? Also, there's a penalty for not filling up your board, so you have to keep that in mind. And there are certain cards that only let you place tiles in certain areas of your board. So balancing all of that, juggling all those balls uh, in the air at the same time can be quite tricky. I noticed this also in myself when playing things like Bus and Food Chain Magnate. So the difference with Electropolis is though that I found that less of my turns were quote unquote feel, at least to me, felt less wasted. Uh, there are definitely turns in, in Food Chain, for example, that I buggered completely and <laughs> it kind of like it, I felt like I, I was out of the race. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Electropolis, I felt like uh, with the next tiles being pulled out of the bag, anything could happen. I could I could have just as good of a, a shot. Right. Yeah. I really, I really enjoy the decision space of going sooner and picking fewer, and going later and picking more. Because the way the tiles are laid out, you spread out in a four-player game. You spread out eighteen tiles around the center board. 
and whenever it's your turn to pick tiles, you must pick tiles that are next to each other. So you're always looking at these groupings of tiles, and you're thinking, okay, if I pick four tiles, but two people go before me, how likely is it that the four that I want are still going to be next to each other? At the same time, if you want to take four tiles, but the tiles you want to take aren't next to each other, that can be good for you, because someone can take the tiles in between them, then the circle automatically closes, and now the tiles that you want are next to each other. So I think that it's a really good decision space of when do I want to go, and how many tiles do I want to take. And I think it does a really interesting job at making that matter turn over turn, because, Ben, this is something that you did in the game. I did it too. I think we all did it. But if you don't like what's out there now, you can take the six tiles this round, because next round, whoever picked last first, no, sorry, whoever picked last this round gets first choice of how many tiles they want to take next round. So if Ben is picking six tiles this round, he is the last person to select tiles, so then that will slide up and he will get the first choice of how many next round. So Ben, I think you were really hoping to get some nuclear waste tiles out, and they weren't out this time, so you were like, oh, I'll just take the, the sixth spot to then get first dibs next, right? Yeah, and I also uh, just want to, I, I don't think I heard it mentioned yet, but the cards that tell you where you can place your tiles that come out as well, it's important to know that you might need to place tiles in a certain location. So another reason why I did that, um, you are correct, I did I did place my pawn on the six tiles so that I would get to get first pick of the number the next round. Um, but I also knew that any of the cards at the top would have benefited me because I could place where they were telling me to place. So that didn't really come into play. Um, but it, it, it ended up working out for me. But the, the aspect of adding where you're allowed to place tiles also adds to when do I need to pick tiles? When do I need to go in turn order? Because there was one point where I wanted to take more tiles, but only two of the cards would have allowed me to even place tiles on the board, or at least to allow me to work toward an endgame goal. So I put off taking extra tiles that round to go earlier so that I would get a card that would allow me to even place these tiles. So um, I think that adds to it as well. But yes, I did, I did pick tiles last specifically at one point in the hopes that I would get nuclear waste tiles showing up the next round and be able to at least force other people's hands. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned being able to put down the tiles. When the game ends, you actually lose points if you have empty spaces in your city. So you're really incentivized to fill up your grid entirely. So you have to think, you know, if I take, if I go first and take two tiles this round, next round, the following round, how am I going to catch up and get, grab all these tiles to fill up my grid? So there's normally a one-point penalty for each empty space. This game we had the special game end card that says it's a three-point penalty for each empty space. And Jordan, the final two rounds, uh, how did those go for you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> not great. I So in my decision-making process, I kind of lost sight, or I... I, I tunnel visioned on trying to fill up my board as quickly as possible 
or sorry, as completely as possible, uh, since we all play at the same speed. But um, <laughs> the thing that I didn't take into consideration was what Ben mentioned was certain cards only allow you to place on certain parts of the board. So I selected my turn order trying to get as many tiles as possible so that I could fill my board, but that left me choosing where to place my tiles last. So the other three players, you 2 and, and uh, Rich, were able to select where they were placing their tiles first, which left me with no choice and ultimately cost me <laughs> the game almost, basically. Um, the last two turns anyways. And I was forced to place in a certain area of the board, which I had already placed tiles uh, and there's certain penalties that come with that. So uh, it was interesting. I I got a good lead out in the first like three or four turns and then just as quickly lost it because of uh, a couple bad turn order decisions. So that was a, that was a good learning, learning experience for me. Mm -hmm. The two things that we haven't mentioned so far are public opinion and pollution. So as a city manager, you have to decide how much pollution you're willing to produce and how much you care about the people caring about you. Uh, the way that this works, funnily enough, is at the end of the game, so pollution and public opinion are just are both tracked numerically. So if you can have a public opinion of 10 and a pollution of 12. Um, at the end of the game, if your pollution number is higher than your public opinion number, then you lose points equal to the square of the difference between those two. So at the end of the game, Jordan's pollution was 13 and his public opinion was 9. 13 minus 9 is 4. So he lost 16 points off of his endgame score because of that. So you really want to manage your pollution, which is what your factories produce, and your public opinion, which is what you try and raise during the game. So you can put these tiles down. I don't know the technical term in the rule book. I call them scrubbers. But the scrubber tiles reduce the pollution of orthogonally adjacent factories by one. So if you put down enough of these scrubber tiles, you can worry about your pollution a lot less. So I ended the game with 11 pollution and 10 public opinion. So I only lost one point due to the difference. And I looked at how many scrubbers I had down and I counted that these scrubbers that I had down saved me from nine extra pollution. So if I had that full nine extra pollution, I would have lost 80 points at the end of the game instead of one point at the end of the game. So I really like the balancing act that happens between the pollution and the public opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. And I even, I would say, didn't really pay attention to you quite as much when I saw how many factories you had because I thought your pollution was going to come back and kill you at the end of the game. And mm -hmm. it didn't. And I was surprised when I only lost by seven points, six points. Um, 
and it surprised me because I I was like looking around and I I never think I'm gonna win as we all seem to know by now and every time you say in the middle of the game Ben you're gonna win I literally was yelling like don't get my hopes up because I know I'm not gonna win <laughs> but like I was looking around thinking like oh I could potentially win because everyone else has way more pollution than me because every time I've played this game so far I play for low pollution like that's for some reason that's what I do but it seems like maybe adding some points from your factories and playing with that pollution amount would have helped a little more cuz I I had 12 I had 12 public support and I think 7 pollution so I had 5 pollution to play with and that would would have been points and I had such a big different difference that it didn't gain me any extra points. Um, so that's you know that's something to play with as well. So yeah, it was a fun mm-hmm. ending though. Are there any negatives that you guys have for the game? Um, I'll start off while you uh, think. Yeah, or you ahead. have one written down? No, I was looking at this thinking whether or not it would be a negative, but for me, for me, it's not. But I mean, I can bring it up just to have it but for me there is randomness in the game in the end game scoring cards the location cards and also what bonuses the location cards can give you as well as what tiles come out of the bag and in what order so there is a good amount of randomness that you can't really negate like because you have no control over it. it's just whether or not you can place on your board well to like override what negatives might come out of that but for me, that's not a problem because I like that level of randomness. Like, I think that's a, I think it's a good level of randomness to have. But for some people, they might think, like, for me, it took me almost the entire game to get those nuclear waste dump areas. <laughs> but I, I don't know what to call them, the nuclear disposal yeah, sites? No, I don't know. I was just laughing because turn one, I got stuck with three of the nuclear power plants. And I was like, well, I guess I have to turf every turn going forward searching for the nuclear waste. Yeah, but and, yeah, like, that's a on. thing that can happen. But for me, that's, like, it's a it's a decent level of randomness that I don't mind. But, again, I'm biased. I like Shia, so... <laughs> right. You know. It's also randomness and then decision, which is my preferred type of randomness. So, you know, you will mm-hmm. have the, the randomly picked game-end cards, but you know what those are from the start and can work towards those throughout the game. And then also, cards come out of the bag randomly... Or the tiles come out of the bag randomly, but then you get to choose which one of those to take. So my negative, or my main negative, is replayability. I've played this game quite a lot, I think six or seven times by now. Uh, But there are only five, I think, five or six game-end cards. And the cards that tell you where you can place the tiles never change. There are like six that are the A cards that come up first, then ten that are the B cards that come up second-ish, and then twelve that are the C cards that come up third. So you always know the order in which those are going to come out, and I just wish there were more of those cards. So I think that, I mean, this is a small designer company board game that I don't imagine will ever get an expansion or anything changed to it but I would really like to see more of those cards to add to the experience yeah I think the game 
would benefit quite a bit from additional ABC cards, as well as even maybe some spicy different tiles would be would be really cool. Even playing one time, um, I definitely was able to recognize and wrap my head around all the tiles right away. So I can't even imagine playing this game, you know, 20, 30 times. Uh, definitely would uh, would help lengthen and, and diversify the game. Uh, quick note on the randomist too. Uh, those end cards, they do give you a chance to to at least react to them. Like you know them before you even play. So um, yeah, I agree with Ben in the sense that it, it was my perfect level of random then react type of uh, type of board games. Because in our game, for example, the green energy sources val were uh, were valued at, at higher points um, based on how many you had. So from turn one, you could prioritize those if you wanted to shoot for that end game card. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, that is uh, Electropolis. I say give it a try if you get the chance. There's a quite good mod on tabletop simulator if you want to try before you buy and I just checked I think it is on Amazon I don't shop on Amazon but no one else really has it I had to order it from Taiwan which you know it was only like $55 and it was the holiday season so I I put my gift money towards it in my brain but yeah I think it's a great game and yeah. worth a try yep and if you're on BGG Although I might see, I mean, it's free shipping on Amazon, so 45 bucks on Amazon. I looked while we were talking because I, I do quite like it. There is one on the BGG market for $35, but I guarantee that person's going to charge more than 10 bucks shipping. So if you shop on Amazon, Amazon has it. So Yeah, excellent. And then the mechanic this week ties in really well with the game, and that is turn order manipulation. So... Turn order manipulation is when you can manipulate the turn order in the game. Very uh, self-explanatory there. So we already talked about how you can change the turn order in Electropolis. Ben, why don't you talk about how you can do it in some other games? Sure. Um, I do have some written down. So I the the first one that I that came to mind because I actually think I've discussed it when we did our game of the week being the king is dead, but clans of Caledonia um, allows you to manipulate turn order by passing. And the first person to pass becomes the first player next round and also gets more money than the other players for passing sooner um, between rounds. So that one, I think is a, re I think that's a really good system because not only does it reward you, with going first, but it also gives you an incentive to want to pass sooner because you might want more money. Um, and I think tying that together was a really neat uh, design element for that game. Um, I, I mean, I have a whole list. I, I, if you want me to just run down my list and we could discuss those, I, it's up to you. I don't want to sure, take over I mean, the conversation. I, that's, I broke it down into three different types, but... I think there are more out there, and hopefully you two thought of some others. So I broke it down into worker placement games, which is where you just sacrifice an action to go first or earlier the next time. So worker placement games we've talked about quite a bit. We mentioned Dominant Species last week. 
we've talked about bus another worker placement game all the time uh, anyway in these games you will use one of your actions this turn to go earlier next turn so the cost is just an action this turn that could be worth it it could not be worth it it's up to you another kind of turn order manipulation is in bidding games this is spend more money to go earlier so in uh, in the Great Zimbabwe, you are bidding for a turn order, and that actually has an interesting take on the bidding mechanic that we don't need to talk about right now, but bidding to go earlier, spend more money, which is a valuable resource in any bidding game, to go sooner, and then uh, Electropolis, I just wrote down. Uh, there are other games like this that are escaping me, but the choose fewer things and going sooner mechanic. There are other games that have that in it, and I like that. I think I would throw clans into that, because you're choosing fewer actions right? to then go first. Um, now, one that I want to touch on really quickly is it's a, a slight twist on the worker placement mechanism, and it's actually anachrony, which is fitting that it just came in today. But Anachronies is interesting because you can either turf a turn to make sure you're going first, or if you wait, when a section of the board is filled, if you choose to go first, it will actually allow you to retake an action from that filled section. But mm -hmm. that was the key. That section needs to be full. So if you go to the first place spot earlier you might be sacrificing an extra action but you might also wait too long and someone might swoop in and take that spot before you so i think that's like mm -hmm. a neat twist on that specific mechanic but yeah you pretty much covered every i think those three categories kind of cover every game on my list at least so mm -hmm. what about you jordan yeah i was trying to think of this while while you brought it up um, I think you guys have talked about Age of Steam on the podcast, maybe? Yeah. Is that one? Yeah, way back, way back in the day. Okay. I was also trying to wrap my head around, it's been a long time since I've played, but does Pax Premier have any turn order manipulation? Um, Pax Premier... Second edition. I think s starts and then just ends. I think someone is first player and then it just goes around in a circle the whole game oh, so okay i missed yeah i'm pretty sure right ben i, I was trying to think because i knew there was a mechanic where you place your money into the into the um like the market, the market. but i don't know if that's just if you spend extra money doing something your extra money goes into the market. I don't 100% remember, but I haven't yeah, played I think, as recently as you have. Yeah, I think your reward for going second or third, at the start at least, or I guess throughout the game, is the fact that there will be money in the market. So money on those cards to help you out. But yeah, uh, a lot of games have this in it, where you just, someone starts first, and then other players will get more money or resources at the start to go second, third, and fourth. And I'm 
I don't want to say not the biggest fan of that because that is important to balance games around player order at the start, but I do really like when you have a say in things later on. Just like Ben, your complaint about the king is dead, how you hate getting stuck going second over and over. But the king is dead is on my list, and because there is manipulation, I just wasn't. I'm just not a huge fan of the fact that the manipulation aspect gets reset if someone else goes after you. So like, it just it was a lot to keep track of in that you can choose to pass, and that would make you first, but only if everyone else chooses to pass, which is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I agree. I'm a fan of when you have a say over turn order. What I'm what I'm not a fan of in normal style games where it just passes along is like this game gives you this really cool, elaborate, like, first player marker, and all it does is sit next to one player the whole game, or pass left and right. Like, what's the use if you're not, like, actually being able to be like, oh, I really want to take that first player token. Like, there's nothing on the board that allows you to do so. It just seems like it's there for bling, which I do like, but it's, like, so disappointing to just see a game be like, yeah, just pass the first player marker to the next person. Right, like in uh, Sheriff of Nottingham, you can, I guess, tell me that being the sheriff is not being the first player, but someone is the sheriff, and then the next round, the next person in turn order is the sheriff, etc. And that, to me, is not an interesting thing for a game. I think it's better if you get to choose. Yep, and I did look up Pax Premier, by the way. It is just a continues clockwise until the game is over. Um, So that one does not have turn order manipulation um but it does have the cool market manipulation so that is yeah I th- that is an aspect of it i think that's what i was confusing with it the uh putting your money into the market um the one game i did think of since it's one that i i do play much more than any others less of a board game more of a tabletop game but i'm gonna make the argument for D in terms of initiative because you can choose to put your stats to boost your initiative uh, and have a higher chance of going sooner. Uh, there's also like different bonuses from magical items and things like that. So uh, I know that's a wonky one, but... As, as your kinda... DM, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's good. I, I can't think of other more traditional board game games that have that but you know being able to pad a stat that lets you go earlier in turns is definitely valid you know that is manipulating the turn order yeah because there's some you there's a lot of benefits to, to going first in in a round so and not being surprised nobody wants go. to be surprised in D D. why it's not the whole turn uh because you it you basically, regardless of your initiative value, you lose your turn until it comes back around. So the enemies get to act, do their full act first, and then it restarts. Speaking of D&D, real quick, Jonah, level up before our session. Yeah, Thursday. I know I have to. <laughs> I know I have to. It's going to happen, don't worry. I just said, I had to hold you publicly accountable. No. That's all right. But yeah, um, I, I would agree. D&D has some interesting... Uh, I think just the idea of stat boosting would be some something interesting to add to 
a board game. And the only, I mean, this is a whole different tangent, but I think the only games that really allow you to do things like that are games like Gloomhaven, like legacy-style campaign games. I think I would love to see some sort of mechanic that allows you to boost stats within like each in each playthrough of a game. I think it would be pretty neat to like set somebody up and then you can go out and do something, but you might be stronger in one aspect than another. I think that'd be a cool little mechanic to add to a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if there's drawbacks too associated with that. Then you really have to choose like, is my first turn order or my increased turn order worth a drawback in in some other scenario where you know for fighting something uh and you're a little bit less powerful Mm -hmm. i'm just looking through the games that i own and have played in the last year or so uh gugong i think should be categorized under the worker placement turn order mechanic because the over on the intrigue track on the left you can take the action of becoming the first player. So that's just using up one of your actions to be first. And then another one that I have that is very different from all these other ones is Broom Service. So Broom Service is a game where everyone has the same 10 cards in their hand and you choose four of those 10 cards each round and when you play a card you can take the brave action or the cowardly action or the strong action or the weak action. If you take the strong action and then someone else has the same card, they can pl- they are forced to play that card because you know you all have the same 10 cards at the start. They have to play their card if you played the same card. And then if they take the strong action, you actually get your strong action stolen. So you don't do anything. Which has this interesting balance of do I want to take the weaker action or the stronger action because I don't know what other people have. The reason I'm bringing this up now is the first player in a round is the person who most recently took a brave action. So if you don't want to go first next round, you might be okay with taking some cowardly actions this round so you are the stealer instead of the steal e. Stolen from. That's better English. When you brought that up, I don't know why it reminded me of um, another one that I think fits into the bidding, which to me I feel like this kind of fits into bidding a little bit because you're like betting that somebody might not have the same card. I don't really know, but brass, the brass games, it's whoever spends the Mm. least goes first the next round but you are trying to build out this infrastructure so obviously you need to spend money but you're also like it would be really good to be able to go first so you're trying to like balance whether or not you should build out versus saving some money for the next round and being able to go first so um i think that was a a neat one that i think might fall under bidding like in reverse i guess because you're spending the least but yeah Mm mm-hmm I also, what about trick games, trick-taking games, excuse me, isn't that in some sort of sense, if you want to blow your high-powered cards in order to go first next round, I'm thinking of, I I don't know the exact rules of Teach You, even after listening to 
you guys talk about it every week, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Damn, uh, wow. I know, I know in... It's a great game, and you make me want to play it so bad, but... Uh, I know in like the classic like president or or eh, it's all right. Like <laughs> yeah, I mean in in euchre and hearts and all these trick taking games, you know, playing your strong cards to lead the next trick is definitely something that you might want to do. And yeah, I think that would count because you are having a say in when you're going to go in the turn order. Yeah, and Fox in the Forest, which is the one I just got has an interesting play. Like, even though it's two players, you're still trying to figure out who's going to lead the next trick. And it has this interesting uh, power on the number one card, which obviously is the typically the weakest card. Um, but if you play the number one card, which is the swan, and you lose that trick, you lead the next trick. So not only can you play a low card and still lead the next trick, but the fox in the forest is interesting because there's this balance of trying to not win too many or you either want to win a lot of tricks or very few to get points. But if you're somewhere in the middle or way too high, you like get way fewer points than the other amounts. So that could potentially tank the game for the other person. If you intentionally lose that trick, give them like one too many. So it's a really uh, neat mechanic there that ties into other parts of the game. That is it for today's episode of Jonah and Ben Play Board Games with Friends. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us and for playing Electropolis right before this as well. Thank you to you both. Um, I'm always available. <laughs> All right, and we will see you for D&D this week. Make sure you yeah, level up, good. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> everyone. Oh, my God. It's literally everyone. just you. Well, technically, well, my my cousin who hasn't played since this first game, but he's he's level two. Oh yeah, whatever happened to him? Uh, he has to babysit his youngest child, so he actually is uh, backing out. But shh, don't tell anybody. I just gave you. I don't think. A hint, but... I don't think if it's your own child, it's babysitting. I think then it's just parenting. <laughs> All right, he has to. Well, they don't have a babysitter for the child. So he has to parent the child instead of playing D&D. The child being All right. the ch- not the one from... Baby Yoda? <laughs> no. Yeah, and honestly, he's making the right call at the end of the day. <laughs> eh, eh, eh. I know the kid, so... <laughs> oh, brutal. No, I'm, kid- I'm uh, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He is yeah, making thank, the right thank call. Thank you guys so much. Uh, this is always a good time to hang out and talk, talk games with you guys. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, that is it for the week then. And what do we have planned coming up? Tune in next week to find out. Thanks, Louisa, for the great music, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>